Hello and welcome to the Taboo Topics Podcast. Some of the topics we will be discussing in this podcast may be graphic, offensive, or upsetting to certain listeners. With that said, all information discussed is for the purpose of learning in an objective light and not at all promoting or endorsing certain practices. Be prepared for heavy topics, language, and no filter on what is discussed. We are simply here to learn the facts. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Taboo Topics Podcast. My name is Sunny, and today we are going to be diving into the spooky origin story of Krampus. What is Krampus, you might be asking? Well, if you were a good little child growing up, you've gone without knowing of this tall, horned creature of the night. But I was a lover of mischief, so I was lucky to have been acquainted with his presence, but not his presence. I know that was cringy. Just go with it. All right. So in all seriousness, Krampus, as I knew it before research, was basically an anti-Santa where instead of jolly old Saint Nick, there'd be a huge evil goat man who would throw all the naughty children into a sack and bring them down to hell. There's actually a movie on him as well, which I watched. Well, a few movies, but they're very good and I do highly recommend watching them. There's also this thing called a Krampus run, which is done in various places around the world. I would so love to go to one one day. My friend actually traveled to Austria years back and got the chance to see one in person, which is amazing. Um, if she lets me, I'll attach a photo that she has with this one kid who was dressed as a Krampus and hitting people in the back of the legs with a stick, which is just great. I, I absolutely love that. Now, all of that is only what I know about him from word of mouth and internet memes. So let's sit together now and dive into my findings to truly unravel this mysterious goat man's story. Now, who and what is Krampus for real? Well, he's classified as a horn anthropomorphic creature or half man, half goat and or demon who partners with St. Nicholas to teach the bad kids a lesson. While St. Nick, or Santa Claus as most know him today, would give all these wonderful gifts to good kids, Krampus would be there to punish the bad ones. His name, Krampus, is thought to come from the Bavarian word Krampen, which means a dead or rotten, or from the German word Kramp slash Krampen, which translates to claw, which is amazing. Regardless, it definitely shines light onto the portrait of the creature as he is often noted to have large horns, claws, a long snake-like tongue, hoofed feet, thick dark fur, and sharp fangs protruding from his mouth. You can look up photos as well. Definitely not the man of your dreams, though. Beyond his appearance, he is thought to wear a large basket on his back to throw the naughty children into, a chain and bells dragging behind him, and birch rods in hand to swat the children with. All in all, this goat is just going around beating little kids with sticks, torturing them in the underworld, and then either returning them back home or eating them. I'm not entirely sure if they still wake up in their beds after being eaten, but I don't think I'd be very jolly after a memory like that. Like, Merry Christmas to you too. It is so hilarious, though, that it's mentioned over and over how Krampus and St. Nick were actually working together in this, like two peas in a pod, almost like God and Satan. But that's not actually how the origin of Krampus begins. So 
let's get to that part. So there's a lot of different origin stories overlapping for this furry creature, especially with the growth of Christianity later on in history that actually altered a lot of pre-Christian tales. They even tried to ban his folktales in existence entirely. But let's look at that later and get into the pre-Christian origins. Folklorists and anthropologists have estimated that it dates back to the 6th and 7th century AD, according to the Alpine folklore, and was a heavy influence specifically in Germany and Austria. The most interesting thing about this is that the story of St. Nicholas was only introduced and popularized in those areas during the 11th century. So technically, Krampus may even be older than the story of Santa Claus. He wasn't even paired alongside St. Nick until the 17th century based on the Christian's religious stories of St. Nick. In my opinion, I think that makes Krampus the real OG Santa now. All hail Krampus. Just me? Okay. Moving on, though, let's get to the story of them both and how a Christmas would go in the 16th and 17th century. On the night of December 5th, which at the time was known as Christmas Eve, Krampus and St. Nicholas would venture out to either reward or punish the children based on whether they've been good or bad. We know how the story goes from there, and I know you're probably confused about the date I mentioned, as was I, but apparently Christmas used to be celebrated on the 6th of December. Let me explain why. Now, I didn't know this, but it all sort of makes sense once you hear everything put together. So, basically, there's a man named Sinterklaas, or sometimes Saint Nicholas, with two A's, which sounds an awful lot like our classic saint. Nicholas. While they seem the same and sort of are, they are also extremely different to those living in different areas of the world. The story of Sinterklaas, to break it down short and sweet for you, is that he travels every year from Madrid to the Netherlands to celebrate his birthday on the 6th of December. He would be known to wear a red robe, religious hat, a red ruby ring on his hand, and would give out treats and sweets to the children just like today's famous Santa Claus. He was also known to ride a white horse across the roof tops and would leave gifts for children in their shoes and socks. Now, if you grew up watching the classic Christmas films like I did, then you may be familiar with the 1970s film Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This film was a favorite of mine as a kid and was meant to teach young kids the basic origin story of Saint Nick. Now, I'm not entirely sure how accurate it is looking at it today, but still a great film and actually does hint on some key aspects that line up with Santa Claus. One being why Santa, Saint Nick, whoever, leaves things in our stockings. Back in the day, people would hang their wet socks above the fireplace to dry, along with their shoes placed on the ground in front. When St. Nick would try to leave hidden presents, as the story goes, he would leave them in the stockings and shoes for the kids to find. Ironically, this is also what Santa Claus did, as he would be known to leave sweet treats in their shoes. Which sounds disgusting to think of now, but it was a different time then, so it's fine. Wrapping things up, though, Santa Claus would leave treats for kids as well, but was known to come on in the night of the 5th before his birthday. Now, as for why we now celebrate on the 25th instead, well, there's a variety of possible origin stories all revolving around when Jesus was believed to be born. I'm not very religious, and Jesus or Saint Nick are not who we're talking about today, so that's where I'm going to kind of leave it. Just know that that's why Krampus is also noted in past stories to come on the night of the 5th instead of the 24th. Now, getting back to business, Krampus and St. Nick would run around to all the kids' houses on the night of the 5th before Christmas Day. St. Nick would reward the good children with things like fruits, nuts, and chocolates. Yum. While Krampus would give out a good whooping to the bad kids with a smack of his birch rod. 
Talk about retribution. Because of the doings of Krampus on this night, the 5th of December is also often called Krampus Knot, and people would wait in fear of hearing his hooves clobbering on the rooftop above. And I don't know, just a side note, I don't know why, but this makes me wonder if that's part of where we get the reindeer hoof sounds from, but that's just my personal thought, okay? I don't know, maybe I'm going crazy. Now, as the years have come and gone, things have obviously changed drastically from how we know them today. Hell, before this, I didn't know anything about Sinterklaas or the chocolates being left in shoes. We all know the origin stories can date pretty far back with a lot of change over time, but it still never ceases to amaze me just how much lore you can find when you're looking for it. Along with today's stories of the dynamic duo, there's also an event called a Krampus run, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. In traditional German text, it's called Krampus Lof and consists of drunken townspeople dressing up as Krampus characters, running through town, scaring everyone and taunting them. Hence the little boy my friend met who was running around beating people's legs with sticks. See? It all comes together in the end. The most popular Krampus runs are done in Austria and Germany during the month of December, but can also be found in various places worldwide. Even California has Krampus events going on during the season of the Goatman. People will run around scaring others, often drinking their fair share of liquor, and generally having a great time. I'm hoping at some point we can go to see one ourselves, but honestly, I think seeing an authentic Austrian or German run would be the best in comparison to a local American alternative, but maybe that's just me. Along with Krampus runs, the story of Krampus has further evolved as mainstream media has as well, making Krampus a large figure in today's media. The big scary goat man that drags you to hell if you don't take out the trash when your mom asks you to. Ooh. So much so that they've made many films about him, like I mentioned before, and enough memes to last you a lifetime. Some use him in his original glory, aka creepy, hairy, half-goat, half-man creature, while others further exaggerate him into grandiose ideas. And hey, I am not complaining. The film I saw was absolutely amazing and friggin' terrifying as hell especially for never really knowing much about him in the first place. I was just watching the screen waiting for this devil goat man and all of a sudden he's clobbering around this big flaming hole in the ground surrounded by many evil creatures making him look like some sort of underground thug or something. And yet still very entertaining. Moving on from there though, there's not much else to say about his comebouts than what I've already said, so I gathered up some extra little facts revolving around him and his folklore. One being the legend that he is the son of the Norse goddess Hel, spelled H-E-L, who was the ruler of Helheim, which was the Norse realm of the dead, so the underworld basically. Pretty creepy stuff if you think about it. Hel was pictured as a gloomy, half-dead hag with the face and body of a living woman, but the legs and lower half of a rotting corpse, which is even more disturbing than the picture of Krampus, honestly. Next fact may or may not be a connection to the Krampus run, but Wikipedia mentioned that during the 16th century, people would run around town wearing devilish masks. They would oftentimes have animalistic features similar to those of Krampus and would even be presented in medieval church plays as well. Probably as a scare tactic for those fearing anything innately connected to the devil, like Krampus was, but that's just my assumption. It was also interestingly noted that in a small Austrian town being studied, they stated that, and I quote, 
Austrians in the community we studied are quite aware of the heathen elements being blended with Christian elements in the St. Nicholas customs and in other traditional winter ceremonies. They believe Krampus derives from a pagan supernatural who was assimilated to the Christian devil, end quote. And surprisingly, that's not the only article that mentioned a connection between paganism and Krampus lore, as it is often theorized that many of our ancient traditions stem from paganism, and not always the new religions being followed today. I'm not getting into all that today, though. If you want me to do an episode on paganism or any other religion, I gladly will in the future, though. It was important to note as well that in some folklore today, the birch rods are replaced by whips, which just makes everything a little bit more spicy, in my opinion. Like, come on over, Krampus. Let's have some fun. I'm kidding, obviously. Just don't listen to me. <laughs> or listen, but don't listen to that part. His basket is also sometimes replaced with a sack that he put the children in, which is hilariously ironic to me since Santa carries gifts in his sack while Krampus carries children. They're just walking up to Krampus like, what's in the bag, Santa? What gifts did you bring me? And then Krampus just grins and pushes them into the sack and makes his merry way to the next house. Along with that, the entire meaning behind Krampus was to either punish bad children or simply scare them into being good. Sort of like the devil to the angel, but for Christmas. And while you may think Krampus was the only helper in this, he was not. St. Nicholas was known to have a variety of helpers to dole out his punishments and more. I actually found this entire part pretty interesting. They are often referred to as the companions of St. Nicholas, and there seems to be a specific one assigned to every area of the world, which is pretty crazy. Now, I'm going to totally butcher these names, just to warn you. Um, the most popular ones we're touching on are Nyet Rupret from Germany, Belsnickel, also from Germany, and Zwart Piet, aka Black Pete, from France. <laughs> Starting off with our first one, Nyet Rupret, <laughs> translates to Farmhand Rupert, or Servant Rupert, which I know someone with that name, so that's quite funny. And apparently the word Rupret, or Rupert, was often connected to the name for the devil in Germany. This one's interesting to me because his first written appearance was in a 17th century reading of the Nuremberg Christmas Procession, which is fairly recent in comparison to Krampus's origin story. The man would be dressed in a fur coat with a long white beard, long staff in hand, bells around his waist, and a bag of ashes. What were the ashes for? Oh, just beating naughty children with. He was known to give fruits and nuts to good kids alongside Saint Nick, while the bad kids will be beaten with the bag and or given sticks, coal, or stones as their gifts. Similar to Saint Nicholas putting treats in shoes, he would be known to put sticks in them, which is quite funny to imagine blaming this man for a stick being in your shoe. That's all I'm gonna picture from now on, whenever there's like a stick or a rock in my shoe, I'm just gonna be like, oh no, anti Santa Claus is mad at me. I better be nicer to people. <laughs> Next one we have is Bell's Nickel, who's also from German origin, is actually one I've heard of before. He did basically the same as our other characters by providing either goodies or coal, depending on the child's behavior. The interesting part for me, though, is that its most known info is actually much more recent, as stated in this Wikipedia reference about Jacob Brown's recount. The tradition, end quote, can be found in Brown's Miscellaneous Writings, a collection of essays by Jacob Brown, born 1824, continues to say, Brown says we did not hear of Santa Claus. Instead, the tradition called for a visit by a different character, end quote. Then, in his writing, it summarized that Bell's Nickel was known as a variety of names, from Kris Kringle, which sounds a lot awful like Kris Kringle, 
Belt's Nickel, and even the Christmas Woman, which, let me get to that can of worms. Apparently, Bell's Nickel would be dressed in a large cloak of sorts, with a scary or hideous mask upon his face, which, from the description, seems to resemble the idea of Krampus with his long spiked tongue, and wore a female garb. I'm not entirely sure why he was in a woman's outfit, but with the physique of a man, but so goes the story. He would almost be a replacement to St. Nick as he would throw goodies upon the house floors for the kids to grab, but then he would proceed to basically whip the crap out of them with his switch. This was meant to be a sort of discipline that would leave stripes on their backs and make the children scream so loud they would echo across the towns. Merry Christmas. And listen, I know some of y'all are into some kinky shit, but being whipped by a hulking masked man as he throws candy at me sounds kind of terrifying. But also, um, now that that I think about it, kind of fun. Um, if there's a safe word, of course. Alright, so last one is good old Zwart Piet, or also known as Black Pete from France. This one I have also seen and heard of, I believe, but oh my god, looking up photos to refresh my memory just just completely did in my day. He's not just black. He's like painted black, blackface. And if you could assume, this has caused a lot of controversy in recent years as we try to crack down on things that we could be deemed offensive. Obviously, blackface being a big one, but this was centuries ago, so let's just learn about it from that point of view. Oh my god, though, I will say this is terrifying, like I said. If you look up pictures of Black Pete, he is known to be dressed in a very elaborate Joker-style garments with black streaks upon his face or painted entirely black, including face and hands and anything else visible. It's quite a sight to see. Along with the blackface look, though, they put on extremely red lipstick, a nappy or kinky wig, gold earrings, and colorful Renaissance attire, as I mentioned before. I feel like they look like the goofy jokers in black makeup, but maybe that's just me. Getting onto his story, though, the apparent reason for his blackness is because he was said to be a Moor from Spain. What is a Moor? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I did some research, but it seems to me that Moor is a term used by Christian Europeans from the Middle Ages to classify Muslim populations at the time. In Jan Shankman's 1850 novel, they are commonly depicted as a black Amor, which seems to be a decorative art figure of a sub-Saharan African descent person wearing the clothes of a high-status individual. Basically, it was an art piece of a beautiful, rich black person, which I am so down for. Getting to the point of why he exists, though, he is heavily connected to Cinderclaws and the Dutch country. He, too, would beat naughty children with birch rods, much like Krampus, and would sometimes even put them in his sack to take them back with him to Spain. Funny enough, his punishable facade was removed in the 20th century and instead replaced with a friendly character, which is quite funny since Krampus is still out here reaping havoc. Some say his punishments can still be heard within the songs and stories of Sinterklaas. Alright, last thing we'll be discussing for this episode is a funny thing I kept noticing come up as I was reading about our good man Krampus. And that, my friends, is Krampus Carton, also called Gross von Krampus. I, I really tried. Or in English, greetings from Krampus. They were literally Krampus Christmas cards, to be honest. 
I wish I had learned about this before I sent out my Christmas cards, because if you personally have received one, you know they had a Krampus joke on them already, and I only wish I could have thought to add some creepy Krampus, like, context to it, or like a figure of him, because oh my god, that would have been amazing. So, in the 1890s, postcards blew up in popularity, and the original homes of Krampus, Germany and Austria, as we've learned, jumped right on board with the Krampus train, making out cards of Krampus beating children with sticks, throwing them in his sack, and even dragging them off with chains. Obviously, these were more for the adults than the children, but in my opinion, it was and is a fun way to sort of keep Christmas spirit alive for those of us that can't celebrate with as much enthusiasm as our youngsters. Even funnier, it wouldn't just be Krampus on these cards. Sometimes they would even be children being beaten, Krampus proposing to women, which I wasn't expecting, and even a female Krampus beating little men as he would with the children. It was very dominatrix style, but honestly, I am totally here for it. Sounds amazing. But that's about it for today's episode. I apologize if this one was a little bit shorter. I'm hoping next week to go into something that's a little bit more in-depth. Krampus didn't have a lot to go over from what I saw, or at least not enough that would be interesting to be reading off for an hour or something. But I do hope you enjoyed what we went over and kind of learned a little bit more, maybe some stuff to bring to the Christmas table this year. And if you do, let me hear about it. I don't think my family is going to be very excited to hear about my information, but they're just going to have to deal with it. If you enjoyed the episode and don't want Krampus to come find you, then you should probably follow the podcast for the next episodes to come. If you have episode suggestions, send them to me either in the comments here or on my Instagram at SpicyBirdMom. I will be making an Instagram specifically for this podcast sometime soon, but in the meantime, just reach me on my personal stuff. All right, guys, so that is about it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will see you guys next time. Merry Krampus! Merry Krampus!